This episode of Converge with my guest Grant Baldwin is sponsored by Weave Writer. For more information, check out weavewriter.com. Converge is my chance to connect with creatives who make really interesting things. And when they can, profit from those things, often in ways that might surprise you. My background as a photographer and author gets me in conversations with visual storytellers and writers, but also musicians, actors, business and thought leaders, basically people who work very hard, not just to make a buck, but also to make a point. The invitation is to understand a little more of the context that surrounds their work, and hopefully discover a fresh perspective that might inspire something new around the value you're making in the world. Freedom is an idea that gets thrown around a lot in society and in culture, but there's a lot of different meanings behind that word for different people. In my experience, when I think about freedom, it seems like one option is I want to go and get it. Like I want to have as many options available to me as possible. And yet I'll hear from other folks who are pretty smart who will share, no, freedom isn't really getting more options. Freedom is actually living with greater contentment around the options you have. In either case, if you're making stuff for a living and trying to make money from that stuff, you're in a constant quest for freedom. You're looking for ways to express yourself in a free and liberating way. And you're also looking to leverage what you've made, your art, so that other people could find more freedom in however they want to engage what you've made. Well, our guest today is Grant Baldwin. And Grant is someone who has helped literally hundreds of thousands of people consider where they're at and where they want to go and have held their hand as they have pierced reality, the, the, the fears and the stuff that's right in front of them that seem to be getting in the way of where they are and where they want to be, where they want to be free and where they want to help others to be free with the stuff they make. And I hope as you engage in this conversation, you're not just invited into some clever ideas, but you really ask yourself, what will it mean for you to be free? You always have a choice in how you go through life and how those experiences in the past shape and define your future. I'm your host, Dane Sanders, and I want to welcome you to Converge. Grant Baldwin, welcome to Converge. Thanks, Dane. Appreciate you letting me hang out with you, man. Yeah, glad you're here. Uh, you know, the, the idea of transition and going from point A to point B on a roadmap, uh, especially when there aren't any real good roadmaps these days, you you address a lot of people around making big leaps in their lives. And I'm wondering, how in the world did you get to this conversation? Like, why why is this part of your life's work? Yeah, great question. I think part of it is I kind of had a natural transition in my own life. Whenever growing up in, in high school, I was real involved in my local church. My youth pastor made a big impact in my life. And I kind of felt like for a while, like, I just, I want to do that. Like, that seemed like a sweet gig. Like, if I can, if I can make the kind of difference in other people's lives that he has made in my own I would love to do that. So actually, I went to Bible college, was a youth pastor for a little bit, and enjoyed it. But then at the same time, there were parts of it I was like, eh, I don't know if I want to do this the rest of my life. And I think part of it was I'm, I've always kind of been an entrepreneur at heart. I, I love... Uh, I love the idea of business. I love the idea of even like you talked about creating and defining what freedom looks like for you. So once I, I, I left that position, I, I kind of had like a you know several months period of just trying to figure out, okay... I went to college, I was following the plan, and I'm a couple years into it, and I'm not sure I want to do this the rest of my life. So it's kind of like that that quarter-life crisis of now what? What do I want to be when I grow up? 
Uh, and so for so many people, they just you kind of stare at that blank slate of life can be what you want it to be, but it's up to you to make it happen. And when you're staring at a blank slate, whether it's for your life or whether it's you're staring at a blank canvas or a blank screen for writing, it's just an intimidating feeling that you just don't know where to begin. So yeah, so that's kind of how I got into you know, figuring out not only what I wanted to do with my life and got into speaking, but also trying to help other people figure out what they were willing to do with their life and how to make that happen. And and since then, you've taken that full steam. I mean, you, you write your book. The book is called uh, Reality Check. And you have gone on to sell something like, you know, 25,000 books. You've spoken at 500 different high school institutions in 46 states in the U.S., 400,000 people, over 1,000 talks. I mean, to go from, gosh, whether or not I want to be a youth pastor to <laughs> addressing hundreds of thousands of people, were you surprised by the response to this conversation and how important it wasn't just for you, but also for your audience, given the response? Yeah, yeah, I think for sure. I think anytime like you start out doing something, whether it's, you know, I want to be a photographer, I want to be a writer, I want to be an artist, I want to be a speaker, and you kind of start at the beginning of it. There's just kind of, you know, you're staring into that tunnel, you're staring off into the distance, it's like, I... I think I could do this. I think this might work, but this whole thing could be a train wreck. And I just, I don't know. So it's been cool to see where the, the journey has, has come to today and the number of students that I've been able to speak to and the places I'm able to be uh, and the, the people I'm able to you know, hopefully serve and hang out with and connect with. But I think that those early steps is what really, really makes such a difference. Because for me, I would much rather be involved in that train wreck and know at least I tried than to fast forward to the end of my life and look back and wonder what if, like, I think I could have done that, but I will never know unless I had given it a shot. So hopefully, you know, for, for some of your listeners who are kicking around that idea of like, man, I think I could do this. I'm not really sure what it could be, but I, I just kind of have this glimmer that this thing could work. You don't know unless you try. So there's two types of regret. There's the things that you do, which you wish you hadn't done. And we've all done our fair share of those. And then there's the things that you don't do that you wish you had, you had tried. And so hopefully none of us get to the end of our life looking back, wondering what would have happened if I had given that a shot. You know, I want to hear a little bit more about that moment at the beginning, those early steps. There's a couple of things that come to mind. When you, when you have that realization of, I have an inkling that, the direction I want to go is in front of me. And you also have the sobriety to say, yeah, this whole thing could be a train wreck. And you're facing those beginning steps. Like, uh, you really don't know how this is going to play out. You're iterating <laughs> at best. Uh, you hope you have an idea that you can iterate on, that you can afford to iterate on. And, and yet there are unique fears that present at those early stages that are different than the fears that are happening in the middle that are different again, that are happening once you've seen some success. For example, in your situation right now, you've seen remarkable success, but I'm guessing fear is still part of the equation for you too. But oh, yeah. I wonder if they're different now than they were when you were just venturing out. Uh, yes and no. I mean, I think the fear is always there. You know, you always in the back of your mind feel like, is this whole thing going to come toppling down at any moment? And I think that's kind of the you know, that's kind of the high and the low of being an entrepreneur, you know, especially as it relates to finance financially, I found a lot of people would rather do something they love and make less than do something that they hate and make more. 
So there's always, you always have that kind of internal struggle about, I hope this all comes together. I hope I can eat and live indoors. I hope people value and appreciate what it is that I'm doing. Uh, and especially as a speaker, you're like, you know, as much as I enjoy speaking, I'm also like this terrified little kid still inside. Like, I hope they like me. I hope they think I'm funny. I hope they laugh at the jokes. I hope they understand, you know, the message behind it. Uh, and I think you always have that. And I think in some ways that's really, really healthy because if you have that kind of nervousness, if you have that fear, then it tells you that it matters. Like I still get, you know, uh, nervous a little bit before I speak, but to me, that just reminds me that what I'm doing is important. Because if I wasn't nervous, if you weren't nervous to share your art with the world, then you wouldn't you wouldn't care what other people thought. It wouldn't matter to you. But when there's that, that bit of nerve, like, man, I hope, I hope this resonates. I hope this connects. I hope this makes the kind of impact that I intended it to make for, for other people. You know, I'd love to hear a little more about that because, you know, that idea of, again, back to the fear conversation, it sounds like there's at least two major buckets of fear. There's the fear that can crumble uh, or, or cause people to be fragile, or there's another kind of fear that can motivate that kind of edge thing that you're describing, at least that's what I think what you're describing, that, that sense of if it doesn't hurt if nobody likes what you make, then why are you making it? You're at stake for the thing. So talk a little bit about those positive fears and how, how do you differentiate between, it's kind of like I, uh, I, when I was younger, I used to uh, be involved in quite a bit of athletics. And I remember my coaches, you know, I'd get, I'd twist an ankle or something and my coaches would say, you know, but which kind of pain is it? Uh, is it the kind of pain that you need to go see uh, the physical therapist for right now? Or is it the kind of pain that you just need to suck it up and get to work? Because this is what you feel when you're working really hard. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's and that's a, that's a great illustration. I'm going to steal that. Uh, <laughs> and that's a great way of thinking of it because there's, there's days where, you know, most days I love what I do. But then there's, I don't think there's any such job, there's any such career, there's any such business that you're going to love it 100% of the time. And so, so much of what we do, we may enjoy, but there's also those days where you just, you just have to put your head down and, and like do the work. And it's not going to be glamorous. It's not going to be sexy. It's not going to be the most enjoyable thing, but it's part of the gig. So like for me, for example, uh, 90% of what I do, I really, really enjoy, but uh, traveling a lot is very tiring. Being away from my family is very, very tiring, but it's part of what I've done. And so there are ways to scale that back and to mitigate that some, but at the same time, you, you have that, like, this is it. Like, this is part of what you signed up for. It's not going to be like this roses and walk in the park. Uh, as much as as much as we may like it to be, so I think you you also have to have like some real clarity, like whenever you're doing something, like to be able to differentiate those fears. Like you said, is this something that this is just part of it that I'm not enjoying, or is this something where overall it's just causing me more stress than I can handle? Because you do you do have to have some level of of just stomach for it that when it's good, it's really good, but when it's bad, it's really bad. And so even as, as Seth Godin talks about, if you you're just you may be going through that dip. And being able to determine what the other side looks like or being able to ride that dip and hopefully catch some momentum there to, to take you to the other side. I think everybody goes through those feelings of just wondering, am I adequate? Am I worth it? Is this thing going to work or is this whole thing going to implode? And, and when, you, when you're describing that, I'm, I'm assuming you're really speaking to this kind of entrepreneurial drive, this idea that you, know, you, you are actually the one who's going to make the thing as opposed to someone else is making has the dream or the vision and they're employing you to go do that thing that that's where you're living if you if you're signing up for this deal yeah for sure like you're 
you know, you're the boss, which is great. So nobody's telling you what to do, but at the same time, nobody's telling you what to do. <laughs> and so you, every, every day is kind of a blank slate. You know, you can make it what you want it to be, which is great. But at the same time, uh, I think we all have, you know, as entrepreneurs, there's also those days where you're like, I would love for someone to tell me what I'm supposed to be doing today. Cause I just, I don't know. I feel like there's something I should be doing. And there's just kind of that inner tension that I should be moving the ball forward in some way. I just don't know what it is that I'm supposed to be doing in order to, to make this work. Or I do know, and I just don't want to do it. Oh, for sure. For sure. Like I said, there's, there's, there's days where I, I mean, again, I really enjoy what I do, but there's days where like, I don't, I don't want to get on another plane. I don't want to sleep in another hotel. Uh, I just, I'd rather just be home. I want to sleep in my own bed. And so there's, I think we all have days like that. And I remember, I remember I was at a conference, uh, as a youth pastor. And I remember one of the things this, the, uh, like kind of a turning point, a pivotal moment for me was one of the sessions I was in, this guy said, if you're not enjoying at least 70% of what you're doing, you need to find something different. And I remember, I vividly remember leaving that session and calling my wife. And at the time I just, I felt miserable. I felt frustrated with what I was doing. And I, I called her and I was like, I, I think I'm going to quit. I think we're going to find something different. I don't know what it is. And I don't know what it looks like. And even whenever I quit my career, I mean, I had a steady paycheck. I had a good job. It was, everything was going fine. But on the inside, I was, I just felt like I was dying. But whenever I quit, my wife was uh, four or five months pregnant we, with our first child, uh, we didn't have any, I didn't have any like career job lined up. So everyone's kind of questioning you. Like, are you sure? Have you thought this through? Do you know what you're doing? And in the back of my mind, yeah, there's absolutely that fear and that terror, like, sheesh, I hope this works out. I hope this comes together to not necessarily prove everybody else wrong, but just because I don't want to just live this miserable existence for the rest of my life, just putting in the hours to do a job just for the sake of a paycheck. Yeah. I, I love that visceral reality that you're describing this. Uh, you, you weren't just in a vacuum making this decision to make the leap. You were doing it in the context of real heavy pressures and also just the social cues of people questioning you. Yeah, for sure. Cause, and, and the social cues in part are, uh, a lot of people I find that they go to college and they pick a major, they pick a career path, they pick something that they're legitimately interested in. And then once they actually get into it, they, they're going, man, I just, it's okay. But is this what I want to do the rest of my life? Is this like, is this what my life is going to be? And so some people, they, you know, you just become numb to it and you just do a job for the rest of your life that you hate. But then there's a lot of people that are going, sheesh, this, there's got to be more than this. There's got to be something else that I was put on this planet to do beyond just take up space and be miserable. And so I, I think I, I, hopefully what we can do is be able to inspire and encourage some of those people to, to realize there are other options. You don't have to just do that thing the rest of your life because so many people, they just they feel trapped. I, I, and I know that's how I felt. I went to college. I spent four years and thousands of hours and thousands of dollars to get this degree that now I feel like I don't even want to do that anymore. So did I waste my time? Did I waste my energy? Did I waste my money? Do I need to just stay on this path because that's what I've started down? Or is it okay to change course? So a lot of, I think I meet a lot of 20-somethings who especially feel like that. They're experiencing that quarter-life crisis. They're going, I just... I want to do something else. A, I don't know what it is. And B, I don't know how to get there. Yeah. When I, that idea of a pivot and especially uh, the meaning you make up about the choices up until now, that those are existential crises, man. Like all of the interesting people I know, if you were to ask them way back when, how will you get to where you are right now? 
they they would have never predicted the path they took, right? The the kind of the weaves, the, the zigs, the zags. And yet those were often the precise moments that were required to set the table for them to have this unique contribution later. I know in my own experience, you know, I started off, you know, I'm a resident director in a residence hall at a college. I work at Home Depot. I, I work at a temp company where I'm hiring and firing temps. Nice. Uh, I get a high, I, I get this cause I had an MA in philosophy. I got this job teaching at this liberal arts school and I start and I kind of fell into this leadership role where they were foolish enough to give me a classroom. And I discovered, I didn't know I had any, I discovered this passion for teaching. And then, and then all of a sudden I get into photography on the side and that kind of ruins my life in a sense. <laughs> uh, but, but then, you know, years later I'm like, wow, all of those ingredients of like how to read people like at a temp company or how to solve problems, Home Depot, or how to persuade people like teaching in a classroom forever. All of those things were absolutely required for me to make the unique contributions I could make today. And I'm curious when you think about all of those conversations you have with, you know, the, the gazillions of specifically high schools, but way beyond like any transition, any major transition when they're embracing their own reality, how do you walk them through interpreting their past so that they can look to an unprecedented future? Yeah. And that's a great question. You know, I, I totally echo and agree with that. Cause even as a speaker, you know, as a, as a high school student, uh, my parents went through a divorce and, and uh, just a, you know, a rough season of life. And at the time, you know, as a, a 14, 15, 16 year old student, you just feel jacked up in the head. But now looking back, whenever I meet a student in an assembly or a conference who says, Hey, my parents are going through a divorce. It's, it's nice to be able to say, I know exactly what that feels like and here's how I can help you. And in the same way, you know, even fast forwarding to talking to, you know, even like uh, at a conference in Portland, I remember one of the other attendees I met, I'm talking to and, and this girl was telling me, he's like, I'm going down this path of travel and I'm finishing up grad school. And I just don't know that I want to do this for the rest of my life, but I'm in grad school. I feel trapped. I feel stuck here. Yeah. And it's like being able to resonate with that saying, I know what that feels like. I know how that, that feeling of being trapped in a career, wanting out, but not really sure how to, to make that happen. So even with students, one of the things I tell them is you can't change the past. Your history can help you or it can haunt you, but it's entirely up to you. You always have a choice and how you go through life and how those experiences in the past shape and define your future. Yeah, that that consciousness is, it's only for the courageous, the people who are willing to stare that stuff down and give it an appropriate interpretation to get the most value out of it. What do you do when you run into somebody who's just stuck? They don't, all they see it is, is their victim and things are awful and is, are, are they just kind of a lost cause or how do you talk them off of a ledge? Well, a couple thoughts. You know, the part of the challenge with what I do as a speaker um, is that you, I, I can't change anybody's life. You know, hopefully it can be an, a catalyst and I can be a, a shot in the arm or give people something to think about. But at the end of the day, if someone wants to change, it's, it's up to them to make it happen. So I think part of the challenge too for people is when you're in the midst of the storm, it's just tough to see past that. I'm in, I'm, in the, I'm in the thick of it. I can't see clearly. I can't think clearly. And so sometimes the best thing that can happen is just as time begins to pass, time begins to fit. And that, that memory of what happened or what I went through or what I dealt with, I learn from, I grow from. But when I'm in the midst of it, I can't really see the lesson from it until maybe I'm more removed from the situation. So it's like, you know, think of it like if you're driving down a one lane, one way road, and if you're staring in the rearview mirror about where you've been, you're going to crash. 
you, you can't spend your time living and dwelling in the past. At some point, I've got to decide, listen, it happened. It was a bummer. Maybe it was my fault. Maybe it was someone else's fault. Maybe it was just a circumstance that I was a victim to. Whatever. I can't do anything about it today. And so my only option or opportunity is to begin to, to move forward from that. Can you share just a, a snippet of, of uh, what Reality Check is all about? Yeah, so Reality Check is basically, it's a, it's a guide to help students think through and prepare for life after high school. So it, it's 50 short chapters. It's two, three, four-page chapters. We talk a lot about things like, uh, should I go to college? How am I going to pay for college? What classes do I take? What do I major in? Job interviews, resumes, internships, credit cards, budgets, taxes, just life 101 type stuff. So we, we really, we wanted to create the type of guide that a, a high school junior or senior could take and be like, okay, I know... I know I have kind of this resource, this field manual, this field guide that can help whenever some of these type of life questions come up. Because because schools are really good at preparing students for more school. They're not always the best at preparing students for life. So most schools they don't teach you about uh, the 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 dangers of credit cards. Most students or most schools don't teach you about finding an internship or resumes, job interview skills, finding a roommate, moving away from home, dealing with new friendships, and just some of these like basic life skills that we need to know. And so hopefully, hopefully reality check can be that guide for students. What I love about a resource like that is as a parent of four kids who didn't get those kinds of resources when I was a junior or senior in high school is I can get a resource like that and quote unquote, get it for my kids, <laughs> but also uh, have a chance to reset and discover things that maybe I never even got myself. So I say that as permission for listeners to go, look, if this is the kind of thing that you have a friend who might, it might pay, like they might want to pay attention to these kinds of things, or really you just want to kind of with fresh eyes as an adult, looking back, you want to reset for yourself. There's so much good value in there. Like even, even just the simple, when you said credit card, I thought, oh man, there is, we just had JD Roth on Converge recently and uh, his new field guide that he did with Chris Gillibo. Yeah. In that conversation, I just thought, you know, so many people, myself, all of us, it's so easy to get caught in, and, and make life harder on ourselves to, to kind of introduce obstacles that get in the way of making our dreams real. And for, for people to have a chance to have, a, whether it's a refresher or it's a, an entirely new vision of, gosh, if I could just get this corrected in my life, I would open up and I would just make it a lot easier to go do that. Do you find that some people stumble into reality check as kind of disguised as they're helping their kids, but they find themselves get helped in the process? Yeah, I'm sure it does happen. In fact, you know, there's a lot of events I speak at where uh, afterwards I'll mention the book and it's uh, you have a bunch of students that may come up and buy the book, but it's also a lot of parents going, this is for me to help them and it's kind of for them, but it's mostly for me, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even, you know, even we, we came out with a, a resource called How to Go to College for Free and got a, uh, a couple emails from parents and even from some high school counselors that are going, I need this stuff to be able to best help my own teen or the students that I work with at the school. So yeah, I think, you know, it, it's not like it's, um, you know, a childish thing by any means, but it's just some of those like just basic life skills that most of us were never taught. You know, it's just kind of like being thrown into the deep end of the pool going, you, you just got to figure out how to swim. It's like, that's a horrible approach. So, you know, for a lot of students, they're basically told where to go, what to do from kindergarten all the way through 12th grade, through their senior year of high school. And then most students graduate and, you know, some students have a great successful transition. Some of them go off the deep end. Some of them spend a couple of years just trying to figure out, okay, who, who am I? Cause I just have, I feel like I have no identity. I have no idea where my life is going. And so hopefully reality check can just be 
that guide and that tool that can give them some things to, to process, some things to chew on, some things to consider to make that transition from high school into just a, a grown up and just a, a, a contributing member of society. Hopefully it can make that transition a smooth one. Now you have a podcast that's coming out that's actually to a, a broader audience. Talk a little bit about, about what's coming. Yeah. So in my own world as a speaker, one of the most common questions I get is, how did you get into that? And it's not necessarily from, you know, sure, there's a lot of people who are interested in how do I actually become a speaker? That's kind of intriguing to me. But I think some of it is whenever you come across someone who's doing something kind of interesting or unique or just kind of outside the box or just outside the normal path of travel, even if it's a career that you're not necessarily interested in, it's a question to ask people of just going, how, how do you get into that? So we are doing a podcast called How Did You Get Into That? Where we're interviewing people that are doing interesting and inspiring work, people that are doing kind of some unconventional stuff. You know, for example, we're, you know, we're interviewing a lot of traditional type positions. So people that are doing, you know, photography, bloggers, videographers, artists, authors, those type of roles. But then, you know, for example, we're interviewing a girl who is a, a cheesemonger up in New York City. And she's like a professional cheese whiz, literally. And just works with all of these fancy fine dining restaurants in New York City, all about cheese. Like, how do you get into that? How does someone do something that like that? That's awesome. Yeah. It's so, like, so it's like sommelier for cheese. Exactly. You wow. know, so there, there's roles like that that's like, I know nothing about cheese and that I, I'm not intrigued to do that in terms of a career. But that's fascinating that someone can make a living as a cheese expert. How do you do that? Like, how do you get into that? So hopefully, you know, there, there's certainly there's people out there that are interested in how do I become an author, how to become a blogger, how to become a photographer, how to become an artist. And there's those are great paths of travel. But then there's also people going, I have this fascination with cheese. Is it possible to make a living from this? Yeah. And so hopefully an interview with someone like her can be can be a uh, just a, a roadmap to say, Hey, here's, here's some things you can do to actually get into this field. But then also hopefully it can just be a source of inspiration going, okay, if this girl can make a living as a cheesemonger in New York city, <laughs> surely I can leave this dead end job at cubicle land and pursue something that I love. I, I love that latter piece. And I think that's exactly right. Especially if people have a signature perspective and, and that's uh, the core of my message is, is that belief. I just that, in this hyper-digitized, commoditized culture where it feels like, gosh, everything's already been done, th there is a unique perspective on all of it. I, Brian Clark, who we also saw up at, at Pioneer Nation over at Copyblogger, he made the comment to me that, you know, he, they made the decision a long time ago over at Copyblogger that there is no new content, but there's always new context. And that idea of, yeah. you know, your take on it. So, you know, this woman's take on cheese could inspire another person's take on, uh, um, you know, unique woodworking or, yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever. For sure. Absolutely. Uh, and yep. that, that is so powerful. So life-giving. I, I can't wait. Yeah. I hope it, uh, you know, especially for those 20 somethings that are experiencing that quarter life crisis, but also I think for the, there's a lot of people who, uh, you know, maybe in their thirties, forties, fifties, and just going, is this what I want to do with my the rest of my life? Like, is this what life is about? Or, there's got to be something more because life life is too short to do something you hate. So you and I get paid way too well to do things that we enjoy, things that we would totally do for free. So why can't other people do that? And so if we can help, if we can help encourage and inspire and point the path of travel for some of those people to be able to pursue those careers, then uh, then it's, it's it's a life worth living for sure. This was episode 020 of Converge, the Business of Creativity podcast. 
FastTrackCreative.com is our home where you'll find past episodes, our Better Together creativity community, and a ton of other resources for artists looking to make a difference with their creations. Music today provided by TripleScoopMusic.com. Sound as good as you look. Thanks to Anna Quaza at acreative.co for her audio production. And a special thanks to Grant for being with us. Visit him at grantbaldwin.com. As usual, I want to thank you for spreading the word about the show. When you leave comments and questions at the site and rate us on places like iTunes, we recognize that you caring enough to do that sort of thing is a big deal, and we are grateful. That's it for now. I'm Dane Sanders, and I'll see you here next time. 